listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. And I'm Evie. Hi, guys. I missed you. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back. Also, welcome back to Isaac, who's in our headphones, fact-checking and contact tracing. Um, Isaac was just away in the bush for a bit. So, like, for anyone (laughs) listening, we didn't have Isaac to talk to for a little bit. I don't think he's really missing at all, but I missed him. Yeah. (laughs) Also, poor Isaac's had to catch up on, like, the news from the last week and is just like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Please don't tell me about any news from this week. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. Well, that's the Thanks for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. (laughs) Why doesn't Isaac get an out on assignment? He gets a Isaac was in the bush this week. Because he's here now. He's it's back. so that when there's a COVID outbreak in the bush, everyone's like, oh, now we know who did it. <laughs> yeah, and I also want to say, when we, when we said that uh, Isaac went for a bushwalk out in the Victorian hinterlands, it was one of the good ones, not one of the bad ones. He wasn't with a whole group of mates, shirtless with short shorts, oh burning crosses. God. He was just out there having a oh time God. by himself. Isaac was out on assignment in the Grampians. Uh, no further questions. <laughs> Man, we really did Isaac dirty. <laughs> <laughs> We're on fire. Uh, Still more. There's more fires. Um, Perth, uh, at the time of recording, Saturday the 6th, is still uh, being threatened by some massive bushfires. Really bad ones. It's fucked. At least 86 homes have been destroyed. But by the time you hear this, unfortunately, there's probably fucking more. People have been told to evacuate. And some other people in certain areas have been told it's too late to leave. Uh, They're at that level. I, I, I... For some reason, it feels like this isn't getting the coverage that it should in Mm. the mainstream press. Just because, like, the last set of bushfires we had were really fucking bad. So, these ones just being bad are like, oh, yeah, bad bushfires. That's Australia. I think these ones are super bad, but they're just not all over the entire continent. Like, this is a really bad bushfire. This is hundreds of firefighters in really quite harsh conditions, losing lots of homes, hundreds more homes with no power. Yeah, it's nasty stuff. It's the danger of like being exposed to like the fatigue of seeing really Mm. bad bushfires all the time last summer that this seems like relatively small to the rest of Australians. Like, no, actually, it's still really bad. Yeah, we could have the same amount of bad bushfires this year and it wouldn't be as big news because like, oh, it's just happened again, hasn't it? So... (laughs) What's to report on? Yeah, that's a terrifying idea of like, now we've raised the bar. Like fucking American school shootings. Yeah. Like, just like, oh, we, ah, yep, that's another one. As opposed to, oh, every single one is an avoidable tragedy that we could be actively working on as a society. It's like, well, no. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing as like government corruption. You know, mm. you rewind 10 years and somebody like, you know, uh, looks too longingly at a $10 note that they, and, you know, they're immediately fired in disgrace. And now it's just like, yeah, of course I'm accepting hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of bribes every day. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an MP. What else am I supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem is you can't can't care at full capacity about everything you do get burned out eventually and then you end up like us doing a podcast where every ah, week we just go oh ah, what fucking what stuff now i gotta challenge that I, f- I figure we go through these things trying our best to care at full capacity sure 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 you can try it's but what i'm saying is yeah i don't think but, we're phoning it in no no no. that's not what i'm saying <laughs> well i mean except for the sort of literal sense <laughs> i am i am trying desperately to find a way to pin this perth bushfire on joel fitzgibbon I'm <laughs> well i mean 
mean, like, it's a fairly straightforward way to pin it on Joel Fitzgibbon, where the man's an active climate denialist working, you know, concertedly and intentionally against any kind of action, and uh, climate change drives bushfires. Yeah. Like, it is Joel Fitzgibbon's fault. No, but did he light it? Anyway, Lang, you were trying to defend yourself. <laughs> Sorry. Well, the problem with was... Perth as well at the moment is oh, really geez. sad. <laughs> I think what Lang's trying to say is basically it's hard to sort of, when there are so many bad things happening, you need to spread out so much of thinking about everything and everything happens so much and it's really easy mm. to get burnt out on thinking about how much you want to care about everything all the time. Yeah. I mean, go back to episode two when we were chipper, uh, being like, <laughs> oh, bushfires, oh, this is novel. And now we're like, anyway, another bushfire, I guess. Lang <laughs> um, just shamelessly rewriting history about how chipper we were. Yeah. <laughs> like a News Corp journo. Hey? <laughs> <laughs> we got to keep huffing bigger, more complex tragedies just to feel the same high. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> and, and luckily the world delivers because now yeah. we've got bushfires plus coronavirus. You've got people here <laughs> who are in lockdown also having to decide whether to go to an evacuation centre in a, in a town that has gone under lockdown. Luckily, Perth only has, like, one or two cases, like, and they reckon they might have eradicated it again, but they went to lockdown just to make sure. But this is the kind of shit we're dealing with now, is these multiple overlapping crises, and it, it's why it is important to, you know, get on top of things and have a, a system like, oh, it would be good if we'd taken any lessons from the bushfires back when we started this podcast, when everyone was like, hey, Scott Morrison, how about we get some firefighting aerial aircraft? They'd be great right about now. Fucking, that'd be fantastic. Oh, Lang, we spent all of 2020 trying to wash our hands of the coronavirus you know, responsibility. <laughs> we, 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 can't, we can't focus on two things at once. <laughs> McLean, how about focusing on three things at once? Because fucking Perth at the moment, not only facing massive bushfires, not only also going into a five-day lockdown to try to eradicate the British strain of coronavirus, but they also still, at the time of recording, have severe storm warnings in place that the authorities are calling a double-edged sword because they're not sure if they're going to bring enough rain to help with the bushfires or if the winds are just going to pick up the fires that are threatening the city it's uh, fucking ridiculous maybe they'll get some of those new storms that that rain kerosene <laughs> god fuck me dead um in uh <laughs> no Were i was gonna do that sarcastic thing good i was gonna try to do that in that in somewhat lighter news kangaroo <laughs> island is on fire and threatening some of the cutest smallest pygmy possums in the world <laughs> It's fucked. This is our fluff segment at the end of the horrifying bit where we're just like, oh, is it cute animal news? <laughs> you didn't like the pygmy possum too much. How cute animal news is a cute animal might be in danger. Somebody has genuinely pasted a picture of the pygmy possum <laughs> into the dock so that we can look at this yeah. incredibly cute yeah, animal did. that is being threatened by the bush. Its it's head is the size of a man's thumb. It's like so it sweet. is tiny and cute, and the picture of it is someone is the possum gripping someone's thumb, and it's got its eyes like sort of squinting Mitch, shut. Like it's, I feel like it's against the Geneva Convention for you to post a picture of that possum and make me think about it being in danger in the dock. That's ah, not fair. You have to care. Sucked in. <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, we can we can at least console ourselves with the fact that that one isn't in danger. He's in a man's no. comforting hand. 
Yes. He's being carried away. He's that safe. Pygmy Possum, I am terrified to report, was later crushed accidentally by the man yes. who squeezed it <laughs> too much in a, in, a, in, a, in a delightful hug. I've been told that that thumb belongs to a bad man. <laughs> I always remember one of my like mum's partners back when I was a teenager told me the story about when he was eight and he got like a little bird that he loved so much he accidentally crushed it. And whenever oh. I see a cute <gasps> thing, I'm like, oh, please don't oh. pet it too hard. Please. You would be shocked how often that happens. Happens. Like we had birds as kids, and my brother did that too. It was really horrifying. <laughs> like a little, hell. little young young child suddenly learning about the concept of death because he hugged his bird to death. It's like, oh god! Hang on, <laughs> holy shit! Is this our first full app of not good enough for the year? Because this is this energy is fucking on brand right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, <laughs> I'm so sorry. This is kind of the thing. Welcome! I suppose. Is it the thing? I feel like this is the first time that we've really specifically riffed on just crushing adorable animals. No. For the first 20 fucking minutes. The- Evie's like, no, we've definitely had this riff before. Just, I'm just sitting here being like, can we please just talk about racism? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, as being away last week, I'm glad to be back in the sports corner. Um, reporting on sports. I almost did not know where to start with this because it is the culmination of several years of just wondering what the hell is the go with Eddie Maguire and his role in (laughs) almost every social controversy in sports. This week, the report into the Collingwood Football Club in regards to their institutional racism and cultural safety in the workplace was leaked to the media. Now, why was this report made, you may ask? Well, <laughs> I can guess. What does it have to do with Eddie Maguire? For our international listeners or anyone who doesn't pay attention to sports or the media in general, Eddie Maguire is a weird little freak who <laughs> has somehow managed to fail upwards constantly in Australia, in the media, in sports, in the Australian corporate community. So he started off as a football reporter and he was a panellist on the footy show for AFL in Victoria and came to national prominence that way and through a game show called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Both incredibly popular shows and through that he's been in multiple sort of media appearances. He's got the nickname Eddie Everywhere. The man has the most comprehensive controversy section on Wikipedia. It's truly incredible. I actually don't have time to list all the insane stuff he's done. Like, the, I was making a joke about it while we were like planning the podcast that his controversy section isn't just there. Like it spans the entire Wikipedia page. There's so much racist, sexist, ableist. You can't talk stuff in about there. just the good things that Eddie Maguire has done without listing the like sexism or racism controversies. Yeah, like they're just entwined with everything he's done. I, I just opened up his Wikipedia page, and I do have to just chime in and say he has absolutely received an order of Australia. Of course. <laughs> yes, <laughs> QED to last week. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's kind of strange because Eddie Maguire has had. A, a walk-on role in every sort of culture war in recent <laughs> Australian history. So he was involved in the racial abuse of Adam Goods. He has had many sexism scandals. Um, I'm not even going near, like, the alleged anti-Semitism. Um, but, yeah, like, this is a man who has put his foot in it several times and everyone's just kind of shrugged their shoulders and said, ah, well, and that's been it. 
He's also been the CEO of Channel 9. He's been, well, he's currently a Fox footy commentator. He's been an infamously bad Olympics commentator. And for the last 22 years, he has been the president of the Collingwood Football Club and is, I would say, uniquely responsible for a culture at the club that has come under question many times over the last 22 years. So that leads us to this week. A former player of Collingwood, Heritier Lumumba, came forward in 2016 talking about his experiences with the Collingwood Football Club, allegations of racism towards him personally and structural racism, and he went through a really terrible time in which he was roundly not believed, made fun of. He was frequently referred to as bizarre and cryptic and outspoken, which as we on the pod know is usually like really great euphemisms for when a person of color, especially a black man, is making like white press extremely uncomfortable with very direct speech about his experiences (laughs) with racism. He's so cryptic. What could it mean? Yeah. Oh, and he's – Farewell speech when he retired, he was talking about – so he actually went by a very anglicised name um, and then he reclaimed his full name in his final speech to the Collingwood Football Club and he was talking about the meaning of his name where he says it means the prince or the one who will have the last laugh and who is gifted. And everyone's like, ha, I wonder who he could possibly be by saying that. He's just talking about his name. And, like, every time he's, like, sort of alluded to his experiences, everyone's just like, oh, man, outspoken heritier. Like, what could he possibly mean by that? Mm. So I love that you can be outspoken and cryptic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> how how Loud, could those things be the same at the same time? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Eddie Maguire, with his walk-on roles whenever something comes out, not at all outspoken. Like, he's just, <laughs> he's just telling it like it is. Yeah. But yeah, players that are dealing with racism are just like, hey, it's kind of racist here and I'm having a bad time. It's like, whoa, ha, ha. calm down, Mr. Megaphone. What's he trying to say? So yeah, like Heritier was talking about this for like, you know, within a year of him quitting football and just received the most awful response from the wider community as well as the football community. He recently brought in the last year has decided to talk about it again, especially in the context of Um, Black Lives Matter and the international movement to um, bring attention to not just the immediate forms of racism that happen to people of colour, but structural racism as well. So he decided to talk about, you know, talk to uh, put Collingwood on blast again and say, you failed me, you're currently failing players who are in your institution, the AFL is failing other black players as well, it's time you did something about it. So Collingwood decided to say, "Mm, uh, yes, that's fine, we'll have a report (laughs) into our institution. We don't really think we did anything wrong, but sure. (laughs) Yeah. Now, this is the bit that gets me. The report into their institutional racism was actually released six weeks ago to the Collingwood Football Club. Coincidentally, (laughs) coincidentally, Somehow, in the same week that Eddie Maguire announced his retirement, quote unquote. <laughs> Just right. getting the report, reading the first page, and being like, oh, I'm out. Time to book some and, and I say and I say retirement, quote unquote, because he basically, in the same week that they got the report, he said, Oh yeah, I'm quitting, but in a year. I'm gonna do like a handover within a year. Have you been in a job 
where you've had a year's worth where you need to hand it over to your direct report, like even a CEO, that does not happen. And especially He's a trying CEO. trying to write out a comprehensive list of racist nicknames. <laughs> and it's got a it's lot got- of work ahead of it. <laughs> He's got a lot of loose ends he needs to track down and silence. I so- know though, Evie, we have definitely talked about that exact thing happening with CEOs. Like they've got that six month like grace period and like heads of the big four Australian banks as well. Like that is, you can't do it in your job. But even then it's like maximum six months. Yeah. yeah. And even then- A year, like, a year still- is incredible. Yeah. A year is incredible for- or that. Like, even then, that's taking the piss of what a fucking a head of a company can do. Like, the idea that he needs a year to hand things over. Like, what happens if Eddie Maguire got hit by a bus? Uh, aside from, you know, a, a national day of celebration. <laughs> what would happen to the Collingwood Football Club? He's got so much of this you know, incredible knowledge, like, trapped away in his head. Oh, no, the whole shit got to shut down <laughs> what happened to Eddie we never wrote down the rules of football <laughs> Eddie just knew them all <laughs> that's why he's always there he's the only one that knows the rules of football <laughs> <laughs> so yeah they've had this report for like oh sorry seven weeks not six weeks um and when they received the report, they did a little press release where they said, yeah, we're taking it really seriously. We're going to consider the recommendations report. We'll get back to you guys in the new and, year. And Collingwood Collingwood were the only ones that had this report. The public did not have access to it. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it was entirely like they were like, oh, yeah, we'll talk about the report later. Christmas happened. Nothing like was talked about. And everyone kept saying, hey, so, you know, that report into institutional racism, you, you want to tell us what you're going to do about it? Yeah. No, I'm busy retiring. <laughs> They're considering their response to the report into their institutional racism. And that just consists of them going, how <laughs> dare you, but stretched out over a full seven weeks. So, yeah, on February the 1st, the report was finally leaked. And so they were forced to do a press conference. This press conference, like, it's uh, uh, like all the other guys had to deal with me, like, live tweeting this in the chat just because I was just like, what is happening? It is easily the best example of a media guy posting through it like have obviously been given prepared notes where he doesn't have to put his foot in it, but has gone, fuck no, I'm not going to do that. And just saying uh-huh. completely off the cuff his actual feelings about it, which are just all hilarious. I'm going to put a link to like the live tweets about it in the show notes just because I can't possibly explain just how every single sentence was worse than the last. <laughs> just to like give you an idea of like the kinds of things he said, he started with – this is a historic and proud day for the Collingwood <laughs> Football Club. Now, Im- important context here that we might have skimmed over. The report was very damning. It was so damning. <laughs> it was unbelievable. The, the report was not, it's fine. The report as well, I, I mentioned Heritage here before. The report was done into Collingwood and Heritage wished to take no part because he basically said, I'm done trying to engage this. I don't want to have to relive this over and over again. Mm. Here are all these people who can talk about it, talk to the staff, talk to the players who are there currently and past and present, and he's pursuing his own means, but he's like not actually part of this report, but it is definitely a direct result of his treatment. Um, And so this report is (laughs) made so many recommendations of just how to completely restructure the club and its treatment of – its players, the way it responds to racist allegations, 
And this is the way he started the press conference. And yeah, every every next <laughs> sentence is just basically like so like defensive. So I am extremely proud. I've been here for a long time. And we've done a lot of great things. And this is great. It was actually so bad that even like one of the other board members had to step in and say, we're not saying the report is wrong. And then like Eddie keeps going back to say, actually, it's it's not criticism. We're just like, we're reviewing things. We're like, you know, we're doing our best, blah, 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 blah. And yeah, it, it, it's just, it's fantastic. Oh my God. I'm reading some of these now. I said I wouldn't, but <laughs> it's one of his, one of his defenses. <laughs> One of his defences is there have been issues throughout history, not only at football clubs, but everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) His defence of racism racism (laughs) has happened throughout history. It is easily the worst press conference of all time. Um, The best, I think the best worst line is... Him coming in at the end, just when you think it's like he's ha- he's, got, he's got to wrap it up. He's saying, actually, Collingwood couldn't be racist because Asian players were coming through the netball oh. wing of the football club. He actually said, we're not racist, we have Asians here. He absolutely oh tried to just throw every possible deflection. Racism isn't real. Also, everyone does it. Also, we're not doing it. <laughs> The, the, just rocks. the idea that Collingwood isn't racist, this is just, I, I just clicked through to a headline from the controversy section on his Wikipedia page. Oh. This is a, a headline from 2013, if you're just wondering about <laughs> Collingwood's institutional racism. Uh-huh. Collingwood's board has offered its full support to embattled President Eddie McGuire <sighs> in the wake of his racist comments about Sydney Swan star Adam Bids. <laughs> he, he called him an ape. This is a black player. He called him an Fuck. ape. And he, everyone was like... Fuck, man, that's so racist. And he's like, yeah, super racist. And the Collingwood board was like, yeah. Anyway, full support. <laughs> Eight years later, it's like, yeah, they're really racist, all of them, institutionally. Who'd have thought? Speaking of institutional racism in this regard, of course, he said the racist things himself. He also has been very good at protecting the people who have either said racist things or have heard racist things and decided to totally ignore it in Collingwood itself. Uh, Nathan Buckley, who's been the coach at Collingwood for many years as well, who has been the coach as long as like, like, you know, uh, as um, he was the coach when Harry Chia was there. Um, And he claimed basically that, you know, people were calling him lots of very racialized slurs as well. And there's this awful clip of Nathan Buckley basically saying, oh yeah, I didn't hear that. And making jokes about his mental health. Mm. It's dreadful. It's so it's so dispiriting. Um, and Eddie's like, yeah, he has my full support too. Here's another two years of the coaching job, by the way. Yeah, institutional yeah. racism. Ah, it's just mates looking out for mates. And, and just in case you're wondering, this press conference happened and, of course, it's Eddie Maguire. Nothing came of it. He hasn't been told to resign. Up until this point, um, the head of the AFL, Gil McLaughlin, basically had almost nothing to say about either Eddie Maguire or Heritier, and was just like, oh, I guess it's like a really bad situation, but the 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 board is trying to learn and change, and we also have a tour straight Islander on our leadership board, so therefore um, we're definitely trying to do – we're trying to do the best work possible. And yeah, so, Eddie, so Eddie's They're not gone yet. 
Eddie's not gone yet and Gil doesn't seem keen on getting rid of him because he's like, oh, yeah, he's got to learn. And for some reason, Dan Andrews was asked about this and was like, nah, I don't think quitting is like a good idea. He's really got to learn while he's on the job. He's still got another year before he resigns. Yeah, no, Dan Andrews was specifically saying like, you know what? I reckon quitting is not a good sign of leadership. It's like, I don't think enabling racism for a decade at the place is also good leadership. Did he say that? Yeah, he he literally said that. I don't think running away from challenges is leadership, whether it's in a footy club or in any other role. Like, the the, the problem isn't, like, Eddie Maguire's quality of leadership. It's Eddie Maguire's racism. It's not like, oh, I wish he was a better leader and we really need to give him a chance to, like, shore up his game. Like, fuck off, replace him with a better leader. You have a better leader. If You're I'm, done. It's if, fine. If I'm found being devastatingly bad at my job, like, and my boss tries to fire me, the response is not, ah, oh, but that would be running away from our challenges. We need to grow and learn from me being devastatingly bad at my job. Because otherwise, how will I ever learn? Well, this is- No, this fuck is that how. Like, Our priority isn't to make you good at your job, Lane. No. Our priority is to just have someone who's good at the job. And if you're <laughs> terrible, just go. But this, is, if- this is what systemic racism in these things looks like, is that racism happens separately to being good or bad at the job. That's the thing. That's why it's so fucking difficult for individual people to work against this shit. Because they go, hey- the boss is being super racist. It's like, yeah, but he's a good boss. No, he's not. That disqualifies him from being a good boss. And that's why Dan Andrews can say shit like that. It's like, no, no, no. He has already failed at his leadership because some of us value people who aren't racist as bosses. Well, that's the thing. Like, if if I, as a boss, just, like, was neglectful enough about just, like, occupational health and safety to the point that it took out a player, Mm. you'd be like wow, that's fucked, you know, that's your fault. He he did. Heredia Labumba left the football club because of the racist environment that was Eddie Maguire's fault. Like, he's driving good players away from the team mm. and they're still like, oh, he's a, he's, a good, he's a good boss, though. He's not. He's a terrible yeah. boss. And, and the worst part is, I think, like, another dimension that we really, I, I really feel like we should mention is that, as is always the case, um, in Australian culture wars, the media has had its own part to play as well in enabling structural racism in the Collingwood Football Club. Um, In 2017, when the documentary about Harry Chair came out, um, the project offered him an interview for his side and it was just an incredible hatchet job. Um, Waleed Ali um, offered him an interview and as you would think, just on the face of it, you'd think, oh, you know, he's a sensible brown man who will give him a good, you know, interview and let him express what he had to say. And it was just an interrogation. Uh, Ama Rahman has a really good um, breakdown of this, which, uh, again, I'll link to in the show notes. Um, But just definitely, like, questioning his feelings about, like, you know, the racial abuse that he received. And for some reason, just a panel after the fact, just accusing him of lying. Peter Hellier just constantly just, like, accusing him of throwing Eddie Maguire under the bus. And even up Mm -hmm. until the end of last year, Peter Hellier was praising Eddie Maguire at his retirement. And only just this week, after a literal report into Collingwood, said, oh, I'm really sorry I didn't believe you. We'll have to do better. Yeah. Say it on air, coward. Yeah. Australia yeah. is an old boys club. Yeah. it's. I don't really have much more to say than that other than, yeah, it's, it's enormously dispiriting. Uh, the AFL are cowards for not immediately insisting that Eddie should just leave his post immediately and also – not coming out and saying, well, this is the institutional report into Collingwood. We should adopt it as a whole. 
Everybody, it's McLean here doing the final edit on a Tuesday night, and this story is so out of date now. Yesterday, like a hundred different people of colour in various respectable positions across the community wrote an open letter demanding Maguire's resignation, uh, and this afternoon on Tuesday, he resigned. Uh, effective immediately, actually. Uh, in his press conference, he seemed visibly upset that everyone had been so mean to him, uh, still clearly in denial over his own demonstrable racism. Also worth a mention on our comedy podcast, Daniel Andrews, in the hours leading up to the resignation, announced that he believed Maguire was up to the task of tackling racism and would not be signing the open letter. Green Senator Lydia Thorpe correctly pointed out that Dan Andrews is not black and that he had not been invited to for that reason. I'm going to take my shot at the sports corner. Uh, it's sports week. <laughs> the Australian Open's happening in Melbourne because there's no possible way that you can put sport on hold. The sport will never end. The sport never stops. We've brought a thousand players from some of the most infectious regions of the world with new <laughs> fun types of coronavirus and stuck them together in a tennis match. Uh, we forced them to quarantine for a while. They couldn't practice. They were real unhappy. Put them, stuffed them all in that little quarantine hotel so that we could have the Australian Open. And of course, people got the coronavirus. Currently, we're just worried about this one case that's gotten out, which is actually pretty good, but we already had the UK variant of the COVID and might have spread it to some housemates. This is someone who worked at the quarantine hotel. So, of course, they had to isolate 500 people straight away, cancel a day of the tennis, and and the, the Australian tennis CEO, Craig Tiley, said... Oh, the site will be an extremely safe place. We want to have 30,000 people there. Spectators will be continue to be allowed into the site and we're still selling tickets. Look, it might be fine, but also, why would you bloody risk it? A sport. The, they were really worried that this guy might have caught or spread his case of coronavirus at a party that was held. <laughs> I I actually, like, when I saw this, I was like, surely this they, this has to be a misunderstanding. Surely they just thought this was, like, another, like, person that was, like, organisation that was holding this party. Like, Tell us about the party, Lang. <sighs> a party. A party that was held to celebrate the end of the Australian Open quarantine by... By the Victorian COVID quarantine body. So all of the people that worked at this quarantine hotel got together for a party at the end of quarantine. I just can't believe this is real. It's so funny. Like, see, okay, the thing is, like, it's legal. It's actually within technically, by the barest technicality, it's technically okay under current COVID regulations. Yeah, they didn't break any laws, but you would just think, you would just figure that Quarantine Victoria, the group that's called Quarantine Victoria and is in charge of quarantine, would at least be a bit paranoid about big parties. But yeah. no. They are, they 60 just. 60 team leaders, site and general managers gathered to celebrate <laughs> the end of the Australian Open quarantine at the View Hotel. Let's have 60 people in a party. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> and I have no responsibility and, for quarantine. But it's they, like at the quarantine hotel. It's no, no, literally- it wasn't. It, 
I don't think it was at the hotel. No, no, it was a it different... It was at the, a quarantine hotel. Yeah, it, was a, it wasn't the same quarantine hotel, but it was a quarantine hotel. Oh, it was at a quarantine hotel? Yes, it was. So it was I actually Jesus looked it up, Christ. but the view was also a quarantine hotel. Uh, and and apparently me. no one has, has tested positive from that party, so we might be okay, but also just the sheer optics of it. It's it the vibe, bad. guys. It's the vibe. <laughs> don't, don't, you got to question the vibe. <laughs> it is quite literally the meme of like, Pwah, when all this is over, let's just open mouth kiss each other. Like, they're just like... <laughs> Did they have apple bobbing as well? Yeah. They had spin the bottle. <laughs> Everyone just sucked and fucked. It was great. We were going to leave it with apple bobbing. <laughs> and that's sports. <laughs> Craig Kelly is back in the news yet again. Uh, You've probably heard about him, maybe not even from normal news sources, but over the years you've probably had like that estranged auntie share something from Craig Kelly's Facebook page. Um, (laughs) Craig Kelly is the member of Hughes. He's a Liberal Party member. He's extremely right-wing and also just like profoundly stupid, like Mm. avian levels dumb. Um, and he has one of the biggest social media reaches of any Australian politician probably ever, I would say, online, mm. on Facebook specifically, mm. because he's one of those people who has gotten in on the right-wing, alt-right conspiracy theory grift, which happens on social media. It happens on on, on Facebook. Um, last I checked this morning, he's got 79,000 likes on his Facebook page, which is bigger than the Prime Minister, obviously bigger than any of the, like, you know, official federal and state health pages and whatnot. And what he's been doing for the last, like, year is suffering under broken brain because of COVID. And he's just been tweeting just pretty much every single one of the conspiracy theories you've heard about COVID in some form or another. It's, it's QAnon shit, right? Yeah. It's oh, a, for sure. It's, it's, it's a lot of QAnon shit. It is hydroxychloroquine. Yep, that's a big one. He's anti-vax as well, which is like there's anti-vax and then there's anti-COVID vax, which are like you know there's a there's a bit of a crossover there, but you know there's some wiggle room as well where he can be like, no, I'm for the measles one, just not the COVID one. It's like shut up, mate. Um, and he has just been getting more and more extreme. It seems to be exponentially getting worse too because I think mm-hmm. the more engagement he gets, the more mm-hmm. he wants to push it. And the more he pushes it, the more extreme he has to get. But the more extreme he gets, the more engagement he gets. And then um, he's hanging out with like Sky News guys and Pete Evans and they're all reinforcing themselves. Legit. He went on Pete Evans' like podcast, a vodcast, a little while ago where Pete Evans was like, thank you for fighting for us. Um, Pete Evans, if you didn't know, was the um, chef who... Um, and this, this is part of the problem of talking about these things because Pete Evans not fucking well. Like, there's yeah. a very small chance that he's okay and he's just a cooked unit <clears throat> that we can make fun of, but it's a very high chance. I've lived with people like him. He seems to be suffering some sort of mental disturbance and the reason why he doesn't get help is because he's fucking super successful and famous. So he just posts, like, ah, the QAnon conspiracy theory is going to reveal that there's kids being hidden under Melbourne, there's mole children under Melbourne, and this is the military's coming in to mm. save him. And then we've got fucking Craig Kelly, a backbencher, going on his podcast and being like, yeah, that's right. Like, the whole thing is fucked because it is such a, like, social media ecosystem that 
is like hidden from the world. It's like a it's like a hidden swamp with the fountain of life in it. And it just builds and builds and builds and builds and then it explodes into the real world and then we can't contain it. So the reason why we're talking about it this week is because it's finally gotten to a point where Scott Morrison has to address Craig Kelly, where the Labour Party think they can score political points by going after Craig Kelly. Um, but I mean, at the same time, that makes sense because some of the shit that he's been saying online is that um, like uh, masks for children shouldn't have to children should have to wear masks. It causes massive physical and psychological harm that can only be defined as child abuse. What? If Quote, a child yeah. has to wear a mask. Like, that's the type of shit we're dealing with. This isn't just like, oh, I don't know, maybe we should wait for the research to come in. This is like, there's a cabal of people running the government and we're abusing children. And this isn't just some cooked unit that you can ignore or be like, oh, just choose your media sources better. This is someone in government speaking as a member of government on his Facebook page, which is verified as a government person. Like, this is someone in a position of authority and status in our society who you would expect to be able to listen to. So this is where it gets fucked, is because Scott Morrison right now is, as he does, trying to roll out a media campaign, especially across social media, talking about the benefits of the vaccine and the vaccine that we're going to be getting. And it is super weird to be talking about a vaccine that we're going to be getting without any real indication when we're going to be getting it, but whatever. Mm. <laughs> but he's saying, I'm, this vaccine is super important. It's going to help our recovery. We have to get the vaccine. And he's putting up ads on Facebook that cost mm. Australian taxpayer dollars, while at the same time, a member of his government is going, nah, don't get the vaccine. It's going to put a microchip in you and it's child abuse. And so, mm. the like I, like I said earlier, the Labor Party and Australian journalists are finally going after Scott Morrison a little bit, being like, yo, what's the go with this why haven't you are you gonna stop craig kelly from saying that are you gonna say you disagree with him and scott morrison has had some of the most fucking amazingly scott morrison responses mm. to this um he had a national press club um uh conference where scott morrison was talking about like oh well, Craig Kelly's not my doctor and he's not your doctor. So, you know, don't get your information from him or from Facebook. Go see your, go see your fucking doctor. And <laughs> right, which is insane. Like, oh, my government member is saying insane, dangerous shit, but he's not a doctor, so it doesn't matter. And, and Scott Morrison is, like, getting really defensive and aggressive about this whole thing too. Like, the way he speaks to the journalists, it's nothing new, but holy shit, he just goes fucking off on this one journalist who rightly points out, it's like, hey, how come you have someone in your government saying the exact opposite of what you want the government to say? And he's like, ah, shut the fuck up! And then, like... <laughs> tries to pivot and make a joke about like, oh, maybe if you bloody don't see, don't get your info off Facebook. <laughs> and the press gallery laugh because they're all sycophantic sacks of shit as they are. But <laughs> the thing that is getting me about this before I have a, my little quick rant on, on the ALP is that Scott Morrison has waited weeks to do anything about this. He's deflected at all points because he really wants to retain the voters that like Craig Kelly. 
and this has been talked a little bit about on the the Guardians podcast um, uh, and a few different other places. They're finally starting to talk about the very real connection between Craig Kelly's reach and popularity and the fact that Scott Morrison wants the Liberal Party to appear as the party for both small and big business and fossil fuel executives and all that, but also for like QAnon conspiracy theorist Mm. anti-vax people. He wants to have it both ways. And it's finally gotten to a point where he can't. And so that's why we get, you know, these like uh, apparently Scott Morrison pulled in Craig Kelly the other day into his office and gave him a dressing down and made Craig Kelly read a statement. Because we know how fucking effective reading a statement is. Whoa, that's taking care of it. Ah. Um, It's not like he stopped posting on Facebook. Like (laughs) he's still posting his crazy conspiracy theories after being dressed down by Scott Morrison. Like it it hasn't rained him in at all. But here's something that blew my fucking mind. Yeah. Craig Kelly was forced to issue a statement about this sort of, you know, capitulating to Scott Morrison. He didn't put that statement on his Facebook page, but he has left up all the conspiracy theory shit, Mm. which is just... I'd like, that rocks. You know, that rocks. Yeah, all power to him. Craig Kelly is a poster and he knows what he's fucking doing. I tried to find the statement or apology by Craig Kelly and it really goes to show what kind of a guy he is where if you're searching Craig Kelly apology, you've really got to narrow it down because um, he's done so much cooked shit over the years that just, ah. Uh, yeah, he's, he's This is not even fun. the cookedest shit. Yeah, no, he's he, he's um he's proper fucked, but not ones to leave a political moment to go underwhelmingly attacked. The ALP has started finally going after Craig Kelly a little bit. We had Jed Kearney in Parliament recently going, oh, he's bloody, he's dangerous, and he shouldn't say stuff like that. It's pretty bad. Ah. Mm. Um, also, oh, I'm in opposition. I can't do anything. Please vote for me again. Probably she's probably said <clears> that. Um, <laughs> And Tanya Plibersek was also giving a press conference. This is probably where you've seen all the photos and heard about this. But just the other day, Tanya Plibersek, the great white hope of the ALP, um, who's probably going to be the next (laughs) leader, taking us gloriously into a horrible election defeat, was giving a just a really quick interview with the press about how, you know, Craig Kelly is spreading misinformation and he should be reined in. And Scott Morrison's leadership is blah, 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 blah. And Craig Kelly, like, took the moment to be his own type of hero and he confronted her and they they had a bit of a spat with each other and he's pointing and shouting and she's looking around doing the Kamala Harris, like, oh, who's this guy? And it... I don't... I'm going to get tinfoil conspiracy here, but it just looked really set up. It really looked like both sides were just like, uh, you know, this is going to get the media frenzied. This yeah. is going to be a really good moment for both of us. So just go at it. Like, I just don't think it was real. Do you do you remember yeah. earlier in the week when we were talking about Jed Kearney when she started, you know, criticising him? And we were like, wow, I c- like, you know, it's finally to, just to see Labor put their ne- stick their neck out once to criticise and it, that, sound, that seems great. We should like, you know, tip a tip a hat to her for that but then this happened and now it just immediately and like admittedly this is my intense dislike of Tanya Plibersek's general attitude in general um but it seems so calculated and robotic and just yeah okay well it's it you know what it feels like it feels like the misogyny speech it's just, it's there mm. for performance and it seems like something yeah. that's really like, oh, here's Tanya Plibersek really giving him what for and like you look at this guy and like it doesn't really mean anything in the end because she's still going to do the same. She's still going to Plibersek. So 
Yeah. Do you reckon when Craig <laughs> Kelly retires, Tanya Plimbersek will be like, and I wish him all the best. We were good mates, had a few spats, but good on him. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like Penny Wong and Corman. It's just going to be like, oh, you know what? At the end of the day, we put our differences aside and I can have a shandy with the guy who reckons it's child abuse to have a kid in masks. Yep, totally. (laughs) Because none of this fucking matters. It's a pantomime and we are a fucking giant club that you're not allowed in. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. I just feel like I know I'm going to see a TikTok of a simulation (laughs) of this exact conflict happening in about a week's time and... Then you yeah. just know it's for content. Yeah, just to just to uh, for the international listener, uh, that reference to the misogyny speech being a bunch of bullshit. You may have seen Julia Gillard's misogyny speech where she uh, <laughs> gives Tony Abbott a dressing down uh, in Parliament for <laughs> being a misogynist, um, and that is uh, widely viewed as uh, one of the great moments of feminism in Australian politics, but is narrowly viewed as a despicable and cynical day because that same day she moved about 100,000 single mothers off of their parenting payments to just put them on their regular doll. It was like yep. massively controversial there. Really bad for women. Um, Julie Gillard. Bad. <laughs> Misogynist. She bad sucks, bro. <laughs> Craig Kelly and a few of his mates, like George Christensen, because of this whole QAnon thing and Australia taking a lot of good examples from America and also giving America some good examples by good examples, I mean, really fucking racist, violent examples, we've got, like, a real issue with far-right extremism and it's become even more obvious after Christchurch where we exported this guy off to New Zealand and he set about doing horrible hate crimes And Labour recently tried to move a Senate motion condemning far-right extremism, basically saying, you know, there's been an increase in far-right extremism. We want to condemn some of the statements being made. The Prime Minister needs to take action to combat the spread of it within his own party. Pretty pretty solid stuff, basically recognising and condemning all of the horrible shit that's happening, especially in the LNP in regards to encouraging violent racists. Yeah, this is off the back of things like the the Proud Boys being declared a terrorist organisation oh, yeah. in Canada recently, yeah. and there was a, an event in the, uh, in the Grampians. Grampians in Victoria where a, just a, a group of just out-and-out neo-Nazis had a... Just a little public gathering where they were flying Nazi flags and Nazi slogans. Burning crosses. So this is, yeah, this is a real issue that is growing and is not being recognised and is actually being encouraged by the right wing of Australian politics. They tried to pass a motion against it. And the right wing of Australian politics said, "Look, we see what you're trying to do there. We're gonna we're, we're gonna edit some of that. Um, we're gonna make some amendments. You just got a couple of suggestions for your proposal here. These amendments are hilariously, tragically blatant. So yeah. one of they've changed. There has been a significant increase in far right extremism in Australia. They kept the word Australia, but they changed it to Australia is one of the most successful multicultural <laughs> countries in the world." <laughs> that has no relation. Just opening that it up. That is nothing. Also, they don't believe that. They hate it. They removed the term far right in every place it existed in isolation. And in the places they didn't remove it, they added and far, and far left. left. Because you know all the violent <laughs> far left extremism that's been happening? Every time like a leftist has shot up uh, a, a Nazi church... No, maybe not. Okay. Um, They've added with fascism, instead of saying uh, other far-right extremist groups which seek to promote fascism, they've written 
all other extremist groups which seek to promote fascism, communism, anarchism, violence, and bigotry in our community. Okay, so you've broadened <laughs> it so much. And this, this last one, which was calls on the Prime Minister and Minister for Home Affairs to take action to combat the spread of far-right extremism within their party and in the broader community. They've crossed that out entirely, and they've changed it to reaffirms that there is no place in the Australian community for any individual or group who seeks to promote disharmony. That's fascism! Which which (laughs) is, yeah, that is a fashy dog whistle. So they've actually changed this motion condemning far-right extremism <laughs> to one that just condemns just generally people not I being just, nice or not fitting in. Bad and stuff. Labor, after all these amendments, Labor went, yep, sounds good. Pass it. <laughs> yeah, <so good. laughs> Tanya's going to plibersack. Yeah, there you go. That goes exactly back to what you were saying. Like, you know, they have this whole song and dance outside and then uh-huh. they just strike off every mention <laughs> and they've just had a great day in the office and that's it. Labor just wants to be included. Labor's like, what if we <laughs> score a goal over here? And the coalition's like, I see what you're trying to do. What? What if instead we score the goal at the other end of the pitch in ours? Yeah. And Labor goes, oh, look, we're just happy to kick something. Yeah. Yeah. We're just happy that you're hearing our motions. Thank you. <sighs> fucking, it's so, it's fucking incredible. It really is like, I don't, I, every single week something happens where I'm like, ah, oh, there we go, mask off. And there's just another mask of just like, no, we can just get more blatant with this shit. Like, oh, in fact, I want to read one more I, line because I just spotted it again. It, it did specifically condemn Craig Kelly and George Christensen. It said, the members for Hughes and Dawson for promoting a range of conspiracy theories and misinformation campaigns relating to COVID-19, climate change, voter fraud and false flag operations in the United States. Because they were all like, stop the steal. They changed that to promotion of a range of conspiracy theories and misinformation campaigns by far-right and far-left extremists, (laughs) removing every reference to anything specific that any LNP politicians have done. So this is yet another (sighs) one of my tinfoil hat conspiracy theory things, but I, I think there is a pretty good chance that the reason why they did things like they changed the line, there's been a significant increase in far-right extremism too. Australia is one of the most successful multicultural countries in the world. I think the reason why they did something so fucking audacious as that is so we wouldn't focus on the fact that they are deliberately taking Craig Kelly and George Christensen references off of it. I reckon that was the deflection because they couldn't have that. They're not allowed to do that. That you you cannot ab- you absolutely cannot throw some of your own party members under the bus like that. Mm. But how are they going to get even it if they're Nazis? Yeah, even if they're even Nazis. if they're Nazis, yeah. McLean. You can say what whatever you-, you like about the the Liberal Party, and I will say they're Nazis. But <laughs> you have to now say they at least support Nazis. Yep. Yeah. It's exactly what was happening in America with the there are there are bad people on both sides of this Nazi rally. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, like, this, th- I mean, look, those Nazis give them seats to hold power. So, yeah, of course, they're yeah. going to support them because they do not give a shit. But th- this is just another example, to me at least, of how Australia is, if not a testing ground deliberately for things like offshore detention, kids in cages, stuff like that. We are just on the most like sad and boring cutting edge of extremism. Like Mm. there's been obviously kooks in all different types of right-wing parties in Western governments for fucking decades, if not centuries. But like George Christensen was (laughs) one of the the (laughs) George Christensen (laughs) was one of the first people in like recent history to pose with a gun 
and, del- and, and specifically go after leftists with it. He had like a you feeling lucky leftist punk mm. type of things with this pistol trying to look super cool. That is fucking extreme. And that's only started to happen in America again, like recently after that. Craig Kelly Honestly, is just yeah, an that- out and out kook who now we've got Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene in, in the States. That really is fucking extreme because it's like, oh, it's just a Facebook post. He's just putting a Facebook post. He's holding a gun. He's saying, are you feeling lucky leftists? Like <laughs> that, that y- you can sort of make this argument that it's like, look, he's obviously just talking shit or whatever. But here, I'm just going to say it. If I said, I <laughs> and I hope is feeling lucky today, I'm like, maybe I shouldn't edit that line into the podcast. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, just it. Because Bleep that's it. real trouble to say that. This is how fascism is working at the moment. It's, it's, it's how it has always worked, but specifically now with the rise of things like 4chan and 8chan and places like that, fascism at the moment is both um, espoused and promoted and it recruits through online irony. A big part of fascism is being able to stand by your words up until you need to go, nah, it's just a joke. And then decrying the people that you are arguing with as taking it too seriously and just they just need to chill out and don't be so ridiculous. And this happened years ago and absolutely nothing has come of it. But George Christensen should be fucking thrown out of parliament without... Question, for that alone, you have someone in the government threatening an entire other side of politics with a weapon. That's what fascists do. Mm. That's just fascism. And we, we have talked about George Christensen a lot before because he is full on QAnon. He says things like, oh, Labour, the lefties and the fake news media are launching an attack on my good friend Craig Kelly for sharing dissenting views on coronavirus. Like... He's he he's full on Trump has had the election stolen yeah. that kind of stuff. Um and Australia just like with climate change Australia punches so far above our weight with racism. Like America <laughs> takes tips off us for racism. Yeah. Like American racists share stuff from our TV stations yep. to to back up their racism. We invented Rupert Murdoch. Like <laughs> We are absolutely <laughs> like that. We're like racism geniuses. We're the Leonardo da Vinci of racism, where we invented the helicopter centuries before anyone else, and they're just catching up. The idea that Rupert Murdoch just came fully formed out of the conscious racism of most Australians <laughs> just appeared one day. Yeah. <laughs> and he just- Our national holiday celebrates the beginning of the genocide of our indigenous mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. To this day... And our political class defends it as good. Australia is so racist. And remember back at the end of the episode, we were all crying about that little pygmy possum because he was threatened. Like, he's Australian. He's probably really racist. He's indigenous Australian. The racism in Australia, <laughs> is, it comes he's from Europeans. Yeah. Brumbies I take it back. I take it back. That's yeah. a really terrible thing to say about the pygmy possum. He's not Australian. He's native to Australia. It's such a different thing. And just... Just as a quick, another little bit of context, um, after the Christchurch attack in New Zealand where someone shot up a mosque and it was really, really horrible, uh, Australia had, had this brief, like, are we the baddies moment. ASIO put out this report because they look into this stuff and they said far-right extremism is a real, growing and enduring threat. Far-right violent extremism is 40% of Australia's counter-terrorism priority caseload. This is a real problem. And Peter Dutton, who's the Minister for Home Affairs, 
specifically changed that in his statements to say far-right and far-left extremism. He made sure, because he's a far-right extremist, um, <laughs> and yeah. he, he is one of the most, and it's surprising we haven't heard of him very much recently, but he makes sure to say, oh, it's far-right and it's also far-left. We're looking at extremists on both sides. No Australian leftist has recently been doing a mass shooting just important to see that this is not a one-off thing. This is something that we are, we are tracking a history of. Shout-outs this week. I want to shout-out We Are Hughes. They are a group in Craig Kelly's seat of Hughes who uh, exist solely to try to get rid of him next election, which I just fucking love. Yes, he can be voted out. Yeah, here's your far-left extremist. <laughs> yeah, a group of just concerned citizens that are like, he really doesn't represent us. Please, can we not have him represent us anymore? Dutton's got their eye on you, Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really, yeah, I'm really hopeful that they might be able to um, do what happened to Tony Abbott, where an independent dethroned him. Yeah, but you've got to keep an eye on that, though, because, like, is it an independent or is it just someone who's an independent and then goes over to the Liberals? But honestly, even if it was, even if it was an independent who goes over to the liberals and they're just like soft right, at least they're not Craig Kelly level <laughs> racist. Like, like yeah, if we're going to get if, into election, electioneering, harm minimization. Yeah, yeah, harm minimization. <laughs> if we if we're going to get into like thinking about elections as good things, then we do have to sort of go. Well, at least it won't be Craig Kelly. But also, let's get rid of Australian democracy. <laughs> you're you're an, a dangerous anarchist. Um, I, yeah, I'd rather an empty suit than a red hat racist. We spend a lot of time talking about Annie Maguire, but more importantly, you should learn a bit more about Heritier Lumumba. So if you want to hear a great interview with Heritier and where he's at now in his life, uh, we recommend this interview with um, Heritier by a friend of the pod, Jim Malo, and Bez Zudi on Vocal Minority on Triple R. We'll link to it in the show notes. Um, there's also a little article just um, giving a summary of just, you know, where he's at and talking about living while black and um, what he hopes um, to achieve for future players in the AFL and just generally as a whole for um, the the non-white community in Australia uh, in confronting institutional racism. So, Give that a read and a listen, um, and hopefully we can tell Andy Maguire to fuck off soon. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Speaking of really good shows as well, I just really want to quickly shout out another podcast, Floodcast. Um, they did one of the funniest fucking podcasts oh, I have so ever good. listened to. <laughs> um, it was episode 37 of Floodcast, Damp Warm Lettuce, where they just go so fucking hard on the Labour Party. And it is both super, super informative. Those The, the crew there have a really good um, knack for bringing in relevant historical moments from like the last 25 fucking years, like with Hawk and stuff. I'm like, all right, <laughs> nerds. Um, but they're also super, super funny. Highly recommend checking out that show. Thanks for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. You can get in touch with us at Not Good Pod on uh, all the socials and at NotGoodPod at ProtonMail.com uh, via email. That's that's what the email address format is. Uh, we'd love to hear your feedback and uh, other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're a right-wing extremist. <laughs> or a left-wing extremist. <laughs> <laughs>
Not Good Enough is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging, acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded.